No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we begin Psalm 22, where David predicts the sufferings of the Messiah, including his crucifixion. Jesus quoted from this psalm while on the cross. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in the Psalms on Simply the Bible. Psalm 22 is most remarkable. We cannot point to any event in David's life as the circumstance that would motivate him to write it. Probably there was something miserable in his life where he felt that God was distant and not answering his prayers, but clearly the Holy Spirit inspired his words to look beyond his own circumstances to the suffering Messiah. David gives a detailed description of crucifixion long before this horrific form of execution was invented. Charles Spurgeon called this psalm the psalm of the cross. He wrote, before us, we have a description both of the darkness and of the glory of the cross, the sufferings of Christ and the glory which shall follow. Oh, for grace to draw near and see this great sight. We should read reverently, putting off our shoes from our feet as Moses did at the burning bush. For if there be holy ground anywhere in scripture, it is in this psalm. Now, the psalm is divided into two parts, the sufferings of Christ and the glories that follow. Today we will look at his sufferings, which are forever captivating to the heart because they are the means by which we escape God's wrath and have inherited eternal life. The title is to the chief musician set to the deer of the dawn, a psalm of David. Now we don't know what the deer of the dawn refers to. It is possible that it was a well-known tune, but in this song, we see Christ suffering as though he were a hunted deer. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my groaning, oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear, and in the night season, and am not silent. This is the cry Jesus made from the cross after three hours of darkness. He cried out with a loud voice in Aramaic, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is pathetic beyond measure. Here is the beloved Son of God, the one who is always well-pleasing to the Father, now feels the Father has turned his face away. Earlier, he told his disciples, I am not alone because the Father is with me. And yet here he was, forsaken by his disciples, forsaken by the ones he came to save, and now forsaken by his Father for the first time in all eternity. And yet he still says, my God, my God, he was clinging fast to the God of his salvation. Now, in that moment, he was involved in a mysterious transaction where he was dying for all the sins of all the world for all time. He was made sin and became a curse for us. And in some way, he received the terrible judgment of God against sin, which includes being separated from his presence. 
Now, by this point, Jesus had already endured all the physical suffering of his passion, but probably this felt separation and isolation from the Father must have been the greatest pain of all. Rabbis would often quote the first line of a passage they wanted their students to complete. It could be that in quoting the first line of this psalm, Jesus was instructing his disciples that the entire psalm was about him and would guide them through this dark night. Jesus referred to his constant prayer. He said, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear, and in the night season, and am not silent. Now, we know the night before, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he was praying with such intensity that his sweat was like drops of blood. And still now, even through the crucifixion, praying, crying out to God, and yet there was no answer. But you are holy enthroned in the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and they were delivered. They trusted in you and were not ashamed. God is enthroned in the praises of his people, the scripture says. And here he talks about the fathers, the patriarchs, those in the past who had trusted in the Lord and God had delivered them. And and so there's real wisdom in that in prayer. You know, that's something we should learn, that we can bring to God the fact that he has been faithful to those in the past who have cried out to him in their faith. Even in our own lives, we have experienced God's faithfulness in delivering us in times of trouble. And that should cause us to have faith in the present crisis that we are in. God is a God who constantly delivers his people who trust in him. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised by the people. All those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head saying, He trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Again, Charles Spurgeon writes, what a contrast between I am and I am a worm. Yet such a double nature was found in the person of our Lord Jesus when bleeding on the tree. He felt himself to be comparable to a helpless, powerless, downtrodden worm, passive while crushed and unnoticed and despised by those who trod upon him. You know, those who would cling so tightly to their rights and count it a weakness to lay them down for the sake of righteousness should remember that the Son of God became a worm for our sake. He completely emptied himself of his rights and privileges and became of no reputation in order to save us from our sins. And that is the cost of our salvation. Now, we read about those who at the cross despised Christ in Matthew 27, and that's what this is speaking of here uh, in verses uh, 7 and 8. Matthew 27, verse 39 says, And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, You who destroyed the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests, also mocking with the scribes and elders, said he saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he's the King of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. 
verse 9. But you are he who took me out of the womb. You made me trust while on my mother's breast I was cast upon you from birth, from my mother's womb. You have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. David here speaks of the fact that the Christ would be cast upon his mother's breast from infancy. And we see how that did occur here as Jesus was so close to Mary and also learning about God as they trained him in the way of the Lord. But what strikes me here is that it says that from my mother's womb, you have been my God. It speaks of a faith there even in the womb. And and you wonder just what all is going on in the hearts and minds of those uh, embryos as they are in their mother's wombs. You know, life is a great mystery, but there is faith. God only knows when it begins. Then he utters this pathetic cry, for there is none to help. That is the most severe form of loneliness I could ever imagine, where the Son of God, rejected by men, rejected by God, was utterly alone. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. The religious leaders circled the cross like fat, wild bulls fed in the rich, fertile pastures of Bashan in northern Israel by Mount Hermon. And they gaped at him and roared like lions with their ferocious, biting and cutting words, showing no mercy. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death. Here Jesus was poured out like a drink offering, his blood literally being poured out there on the cross, his bones being dislocated. That is, of course, the effects of the crucifixion as you'd be hanging there and the jarring of the cross as it was put into place as he was hanging there by the nails, dislocating his bones. But then it says, my heart is like wax. It's melted within me. There are those that would say Jesus died of a broken heart, and I think they would have some evidence right here that his heart was melting within him. I think of Isaiah 65, 2, where it says, I have stretched out my hands all day long to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good according to their own thoughts. And here the Lord came to save his own, but they rejected him. He loved them. They crucified him. They ridiculed him. And his heart was melting. It was broken within. And then his strength was dried up like a potsherd, like a piece of broken, dried up in the kiln pottery. Uh, That's the way he was so completely dehydrated. We know, of course, that he cried out, I thirst, his tongue clinging to his jaw or to the roof of his mouth. Uh, And then it says, you've brought me to the dust of death. Here he's crying out to God and realizing that he is experiencing this great dust of death, having gone from the presence of the Father to the dust of death. Wow. 
for dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierce my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So not only were there bulls and lions, but now these scavenger dogs surrounding him, ready to just consume him. And David says, they pierced my hands and my feet. This is a graphic description of crucifixion hundreds of years before it was even invented. I can count on my bones. They stare at me. He was completely emaciated from his crucifixion and the loss of fluids. And they divide my garments among them and for my clothing, they cast lots. Now we know that they did divide Christ's garments, but they came to his robe and they didn't want to split it up. And so they cast lots. All of this was very unusual for the Romans to do that, by the way. And yet it was a very clear fulfillment of these words of David, proving that Jesus is the Christ beyond all doubt and that he is the one that David was writing of here. All of this should cause us to just humbly stop and realize that the Bible tells us God did all of this for us. This is how he has demonstrated his love. Yeah, we're going through some tough times right now, but understand that the Lord has demonstrated his love and that he did not spare even his own son, but he freely gave him for us all. And Jesus suffered all of this to prove to us beyond the shadow of a doubt how much God loves us. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our podcast on iTunes or Spotify. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. Tomorrow we conclude this messianic psalm written by David with him praising the Lord in the great assembly. In the future, the ends of the world will turn to the Lord. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the Psalms on Simply the Bible.